0: I don't know whether you remember last year, so much last year, we were talking about Romans and we progressed in December, if you remember, through to Romans chapter 6. And I thought it was worth our while continuing a little bit further into the book of Romans so that we can get a little bit more uh, of that and understand a little bit more. So... Just to starting off this morning, I'm going to give a very quick recap. Well, I say quick recap. Um, we'll see how we get on. A quick recap to this letter, just to give us uh, bring it back into our minds, as it were. Now, in this letter, Paul gives a full account of salvation. The salvation that God has accomplished through Jesus Christ. And Paul explains, right at the beginning of his letter, that we need salvation, or rather why we need salvation. Romans 3, verse 23, declares it, all have sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. But Paul doesn't just say that. He does spend some time in chapters 1 and 2 and 3. Helping us to understand in what ways we have actually sinned before God. And to help us understand why we need to be saved. And explain what God has done so that we can be saved. And Paul goes on to talk about how Abraham modeled what it's like to be a man of faith. He does that in chapter 4. And in chapter 5, he goes on to show the change that we can personally experience because of what God has done for us. For instance, Romans 5 verse 1, where it says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. We can experience peace with God because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. So Paul clearly shows that this salvation is a free gift. From God, There is nothing that we can do to earn it, and we certain, certainly don't deserve it, but we can receive this gift of God by faith. Let me ask you here this morning, even at the very beginning of this new year. Have you personally received the free gift that God offers of salvation? Because it is available to every single person. As a famous scripture which many people know, John 3.16 reminds us, it says, For God so loved the world. So that includes us all. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whosoever, and each of us is a whosoever, whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's how we can begin the work of salvation. or That work of salvation can be begun in our lives, how we can be saved. But having been saved and and speaking as somebody who has reached out to God and asked God to come and move in my life and have received that gift of salvation, as many of you have here, and have started living in the blessing of it, I have found that things aren't always easy. There are life's ups and downs, but I have found living simply for God and doing what He desires isn't always what my sinful human flesh wants to do. I still experience battles going on within me. I know, I know or I can know what God wants me to do, but I don't always find that I have a particular desire to actually fulfill all that God is asking of me. There are battles that we face. But the good news is when we come to the book of Romans, we see that Paul understands this inner challenge that we have within us. And he knew that as a people, human beings have a tendency to try to press up against the boundaries. You know, we, we know where a boundary is. What, you know, can I just move that boundary by pressing up against it? There's that type of attitude that we have. And so Paul asks certain questions in chapter 6 and in chapter 7. He poses some questions, the sort of things that we humans might think. And he then seeks to answer them. For example, in Romans 6, Paul pos- poses this question. Romans 6 verse 1. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? And that question is really arising from the thinking that says, look, if God has forgiven us when we were very much sinners, when we were still sinners, if God came and forgave us then and showed us his great grace, then does it matter if I still sin a little bit now? Does it really matter? I mean... Won't God continue to show me his great grace? That's the type of thinking behind Paul asking that question. But the answer that Paul gives is very clear. Should we keep on sinning? He says in Romans 6 verse 2, of course not. Of course not. It's a very clear no. He says, of course not since we have died to sin. How can we continue to live in it? Of course we couldn't. We shouldn't keep on sinning because we should understand that we have actually died to sin. And therefore, we shouldn't be living in it. Now, Paul again asks another question in verse 15. Romans 6, 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? And this question, again, arises from this sort of thinking. The thinking that says, look, if you're saying that we're forgiven by God's great mercy and grace... And if we're now living in that position of grace, and we're not necessarily, or we're not not necessarily, we are no longer under all the rules and regulations of the law, what does it matter if we sin? If we're not under the law, why does it matter if we sin? But again, Paul comes back with a very strong answer, and he says, certainly not. We should never do that. We shouldn't sin at all. So Paul goes on to outline in uh, Romans 6, some of the important facts to help us understand why his answers are a clear no. For instance, he wants to say tell us, we have died to sin. We've seen that, but I'm just going to repeat this. We have died to sin. Romans 6 verse 7, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And verse 11, so you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin, And alive to God through Christ Jesus. When you received the free gift of salvation. A huge change took place in each of your lives. You died with Christ. And have now been made alive in him. You are a new person. A born again person. A person who is now living a new life in God. That's what his situation is. So Paul goes on to remind us, he does this in Romans 6, 12 to 14. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life." So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. So just listen again to the instruction that Paul is giving to each one of us. I'll just repeat some of these verses. Verse 11. You should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Verse 12, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Verse 13, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have a new life. And verse 14, sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead you live under the freedom of God's grace. We need to understand that our salvation has a purpose. God has worked in our lives to bring us to a place where we have come to know him. Or we are coming to know him. We're working on that day by day. That has a purpose. And that gift of salvation from God is that we may return as people in this world to be those who He has originally created us to be. That is, God's agents here upon the earth. Living completely in His will and living according to His ways. That is what God wants. That was His original plan. And through salvation, He's seeking to bring men and women, young and old, back into that plan. So, as we finally... That was my summary. As we finally get to chapter 7, we see Paul pressing in a little further with the issue of not being under the law. So here we come to chapter 7. Romans 7 verses 1 to 3. He starts off by saying, Now, dear brothers and sisters, you who are familiar with the law, don't you know that the law applies only while a person is living? For example, when a woman marries... The law binds her to her husband as long as he is alive. But if he dies, the laws of marriage no longer apply to her. So while her husband is alive, she would be committing adultery if she married another man. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law and does not commit adultery when she remarries. Now that makes perfect sense. This is understanding, this is the law. And if we keep the law, then that's good. But you can see that, oh, actually, if a woman actually does, is married, and then goes off and has an affair, that's adultery. We know that. And that's not what God wants. But equally, if her husband dies, she's free. She's free to marry again. Completely free. Completely legally free. That's the point Paul is making. So he's saying, when you, when you die, there is a sense in which you're released from the law. okay. I think that makes sense. So let's progress. Romans 7 verses 4 to 6. So my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. Oh, okay Paul. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. When we were controlled by our old nature... Sinful desires were at work within us, and the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds, resulting in death. But now we have been released from the law, for we died to it, and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the Spirit." So Paul is saying, look, we have died with Christ, and therefore we have died to the law. Now at this point, I want to remind you who he's writing. He's writing to the Romans, but he's writing to a lot of people with a Jewish background, or some of them had a Jewish background. And for them, the law was extremely important. In fact, if you might have noticed, at the beginning of Romans, uh, in Romans 7 verse 1, it says, you who are familiar with the law. It was because it was... Within that community, the law was the big thing, as you would well know if you read the Old Testament. The Israelites received the law when they came out of Egypt and they came to Mount Sinai. There God came down. There was fire, there was brimstone. Moses was going up the mountain to get the law actually written on tablets of stone. And that was the law that God provided for them as this newly established nation. And this was the law by which they were to live. So how are we to live as this new nation? What are we to do? God gives his law to them. This is how you are to live. These are the instructions. And you are to obey these instructions. And not only that. Not only obey them. By obeying them. You will build a relationship with God. It is a way of being right with God. Through obeying the law. So the law was extremely important. And yet here Paul is saying. We have died with Christ. And therefore, we have died to the law. So what are you saying? All of that doesn't count for anything anymore? But you see, the law had come. And the law never dealt with the corrupt, sinful nature of man's heart. But now Jesus had come. Because God could see that actually the law wasn't changing people. He needed to do something else. So he sent his son... To be a sacrifice once and for all time for all sin. And so the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ really does change everything. And even as Kevin had said this morning. This he said as he was holding up the wine is to remember the new covenant. And this is what we're talking about. The old standard of following the law. That was before Jesus. But now Jesus has come. And actually, because of his death and resurrection, and us having died with Christ, we have now died to the law. Well, how does that change things? Let's ask that question. Well, we've seen firstly that it releases us from serving the law. Romans 7 verse 6, the first part says this, But now we have been released from the law, for we died to it, and are no longer captive to its power. Do you hear that? We have been released from the law, we have died to it, and are no longer captive to its power. We do not have to obey the law. But, let me just go on. Secondly, in the second part of that verse, it says this, Now, now we can serve God Not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the Spirit. You see, Jesus came to bring a complete transformation. Beforehand, it was rules and regulations. Now, you are actually following the Spirit of God who will lead you in the way. Now many people will say, well, I don't have to obey the law, therefore I can do anything. Which is going back to one of the questions that Paul was asking. You see, because that's how we feel. Great, if there's no law, it doesn't matter what I do. But Paul has said, no, 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 it does. We shouldn't be sinning at all. Do you not remember you have died to sin? Listen, we're in a new covenant. We're in a new position now. What is that position? The position is that we are supposed to be living in the new way of the Spirit. So I've written here, well, thank you, Paul. Thank you for letting us understand. Have I really understood you? So this is like me now talking back to Paul. So I am not just free to live how I want. Am I, Paul? And Paul answers, no, you're not. Okay, good. i got that right. Um, But I don't have to live under all the rules and regulations of the law, do I? No, you don't, says Paul. Okay. But I am now expected to live by the new way of God's spirit. Yes, you are, says Paul. And in chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, I know that's jumping further forward, Paul underlines this point because he says in chapter 8, verse 14, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. All who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Now, we need to hold here because this teaching is really very powerful, and I think it does challenge some of our present day thinking. Those who are described as the children of God are those who are led by His Spirit. The salvation we are offered from God is entirely free, but make no mistake about that. There is a sacrifice that is required for us to walk in this new life. We need to live in the new way of the Spirit. Do you hear me? Salvation is free, completely free. But you know what? There is a price to pay. Because you see, it's not just live how you want. Hey, Jesus has done it all. He's forgiven your sins. You do what you want. No, 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 that's not what's being said here at all. What's being said here now is, like you've now been called out of darkness into light. You've now been given a new life. You've now been called to be the children of God in the world. You have now been called to be those lights so that others in darkness can actually see some light. They can understand that there is a way to go. You have been made Dead through Christ, but also resurrected into a new life through what he has done. You've died to the law. That old way of doing things has now passed. But now we need to live by the Spirit. We need to walk by the Spirit. So we need to ask this question. Well, what does that look like? And to help us with that, I'm going to read to you from another one of Paul's letters, Galatians. Galatians Verse, um, chapter 5, verses 16 to 26. So I say, this is what he said. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition... Dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Do you notice the instruction that Paul gives? He says, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Well, here's the question, do we? And you could pose that question back at me. Do I? I think the answer is I try. This is what we want. This is what we want. We want to allow the Holy Spirit to lead our lives. But do we do that or do we simply find that we can maintain control? I didn't hear what you said, God, so I'll just carry on doing what I'm doing at the moment. This feels good to me. I want to do this. I want to do that. And we get driven off into the passions of the flesh rather than listening to what the Holy Spirit wants. Of course this is challenging. It's very challenging. It's challenging for each one of us. Paul also reminds us that the Holy Spirit desires the opposite of what the sinful nature craves. When you follow the way of the Holy Spirit, this is the type of fruit you will see. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the result of walking by the Holy Spirit. Well, for us to learn to walk with the Holy Spirit, we need relationship with the Holy Spirit. And therefore, we need to take time with Him. Well, what does that mean? Of course, it comes back to the things that we are always saying. It means that we need to be reading the scriptures and we need to be praying. These are essentials for achieving this. And I know that we've heard that before, but that doesn't really matter. If we're finally getting hold of the fact that we're not living, seeking to fulfill a list of God's do's and don'ts, the Old Testament law, but now we are seeking to establish a living relationship with the Holy Spirit so that we can be guided by Him. If we can understand that, Bible reading and prayer is not a good thing to do. It's an essential part of seeking to have connection with the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to be a Holy Spirit led people. That's who we're supposed to be. I don't know whether you can understand all of this. When I was going through this this week, this, this concept of that we're not under the law, you know, because it's right for us to think, like, you shouldn't murder. I mean, that's right. So I'll agree with that law. And, like, well, actually, the other laws are pretty good too. You should have no other God before me. Those laws are good. And it's not that God is actually saying, like, I'm not going to let you live like that. What he is saying is, look, that's how it was for them. For you now, you need relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to tell you all of those things. He's going to teach you all of the things that I've already bought before my people. He's going to let you understand my ways. The Holy Spirit is me. So who I am and what I've expressed in my law is still going to come out through the Holy Spirit. But you need to know how to be led by the Holy Spirit. Folks, I would say, uh, this isn't condemning any of us. Every one of us is in a place. Every one of us, I'm including myself, is in a place of the great need of knowing how to be led by the Holy Spirit. We need Him. And what I'm saying is if we want to be led by the Holy Spirit, we've got to come into contact with Him. And how do we do that? There's only two ways that I know. Through reading the Scriptures and through prayer. Because these are spiritual disciplines. These are ways of opening our lives up to the Holy Spirit. And we want to hear His voice. Look, in, this, in our environment where there's so much noise, well, not noise physically, because in this room this morning, it's very still and quiet. But there's still noise going on. There's the affairs of life. There's the pressures of life. There's the way that we're going about life. There's all the stuff that we're going through that presses in upon us. In fact, presses down upon us sometimes. And it's a working of darkness that can actually cause us to have numbness so that we can't hear God. How do we break through? Is it possible to break through? I wish that I could stand here and give you a clear instruction through my personal experience. I would just say this. My experience is this. I am here and I am saying to God, I need you to show us how to do this. You have said in your word, we're not living under those instructions. You've said in your word, we're to live according to your Holy Spirit. We need help. Will you come and help us? Will you come and guide us? We do know when we do wrong, because the Holy Spirit does indicate that to us. Many of you here will have known that various times in life you've done something and you think, I shouldn't have done that. Now you don't say it, but inside here you know it, you feel it, you're aware of it, because the Holy Spirit is at work. The Holy Spirit wants to work more and more on us so that we can be led by Him. So that He can prompt us and guide us into the way that we should go. So for those of you who can, who can, which I believe is all of us, let's get stuck back in to reading the Word of God. I know it seems dry at times. And I know there's that sense of like, do I have to? Listen, it's not do I have to. You wanted to gain salvation. Oh yeah, that's free, that's free. You see, that's the first bit. It is completely free. There is absolutely nothing you can do to gain salvation. But you want to walk by the Spirit? That's going to cost. It's going to cost time. It's going to cost relationship. If you want relationship with... If you're a single person, you want relationship with a, with a guy or a girl, you're going to have to go and meet that person and spend time with them and develop relationship so that there can become a closeness. That is how it is in the natural. We completely understand that. It's the same with the spiritual. If we want to get to know him, he, it's going to take time. Okay, and you know what? If we're saying to ourselves, well, I'm sorry, I haven't got the time. What we're really saying is, God, you do not have the highest place in my life. And it's no harm to come to that place because it just makes us realize, well, who really is running my life? Am I? Or is God? Because as Christians, what we said was, my life is no longer my own. I have given it to Jesus. That he may live in me and through me. That's what we've said. So I know this is challenging. One just final thing I want to say is that though if you have the ability to speak in tongues, um, because that is a gift that God gives, and certainly we can pray for people to receive that gift, but that's a gift that God gives. Then I want to say to you, don't just leave that gift on the side. Make use of that gift. Because it's been given to you as a spiritual gift to edify you. Listen to what Paul himself teaches about that gift. 1 Corinthians. And I've just picked out a few verses from chapter 14. Verses 2, 4 and 5. For he says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but speaks to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. And then he goes on to say in verse 4, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. That is, he builds himself up spiritually. And in verse 5 he says, I wish you all spoke with tongues. So I just want to say, Bible reading is important. Prayer is very important. But you know what, sometimes if you've got the gift of being able to speak in tongues, then use it. Don't let it stay on the shelf. It was never given to you. That it might stay on the shelf. It was given to you so that you might be strengthened spiritually. And so that you might be able to connect more easily with the Holy Spirit. Which is what we have been called to do and how we have been called to live. Here we are at the beginning of this week of prayer and fasting. And there are challenges in fasting I know. But this is all about us helping to see of ourselves. What has got a hold of me? Has this world got a hold of me? Or has Jesus got the primary hold of me? Because he called me out of darkness so that I could be a person of light for his kingdom. As he has for all of us. We're here on the earth not by accident. So that through our lives and all of the people that interact with us. Because they're different. The people who I have in my world are not necessarily all the people that you have in your world. Some of them are because some of them is connected here. But you've got lots of other connections. And those connections are the people that God has put in your world. And he wants your life to affect them. So you're here for purpose. And you know what? To see change in those areas. We need to know what the Holy Spirit is saying. And if we need to know what the Holy Spirit is saying, we've got to come to him and say, Holy Spirit, please help me. Please guide me. Please instruct me. Please lead me. So here we are. Here we are at the beginning of this year. Beginning of this week. Let's let's use this week effectively in our times of prayer. And you don't have to be complex with God. God, I don't understand you. I don't know you. I need to know you better. That's prayer. Opening yourself up. Lord, forgive me for these sins. It is important to bring the things that we know that we've done wrong before God that he may forgive us and that he may cleanse us but it's not only just looking back it's looking forward as Kevin was talking about earlier on where we're saying Lord will you please lead me now I want to be a person who is led by your Holy Spirit and I don't know the Holy Spirit enough so please will you lead me and guide me in relationship with the Holy Spirit that my heart may be, may be made deeper in relationship with Him. That I may have a better communion, better understanding. Open my ears that I may hear what the Spirit is saying. Let the conviction of the Holy Spirit come upon me. You know, in the Word of God it says, When He comes, when He comes, He will bring conviction of our guilt in regard to sin, righteousness and judgment. When He comes, the Holy Spirit likes to come where there's an atmosphere where he's welcome. And we want to create in our hearts an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit is welcome so that he can do the work that he wants to do in us and through us as we move into this new year. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromingshumpchurch.com.